Philippians chapter 3. So what we've been reviewing these past couple of weeks, we've been walking through the book of Philippians, we've been seeing how Paul has read, is writing to a church that is going through hard times, but they are encouraging him and doing a great job at what they're doing. But Paul tells them to continue on and live a life worthy of the gospel. And as we see, he, he encourages them to imitate Christ's humanity, who thought it wasn't robbery with God to be called equal with God, but he put off flesh and dwelt among us. The last week, we looked at Timothy and Ephroditus and Paul, and we just gave some, some insight into those characterizations of those three servants that Jesus, that Paul had beside him that helped him in different ways and how we can use that as a model for what we want to do and how we want to live. And now we get to chapter 3. And chapter 3, Paul kind of starts with a, with a brag. Uh, you ever notice that when we can, we can take our, we can, or we can establish our confidence in a lot of different things. We can get confidence in a lot of things. Some of us have confidence because our bank accounts look real nice. Especially around this time of the year, it's tax season. You got that nice tax check. Hopefully you got it yet before this government shuts down again. But you can have confidence in, in, in the resources you have. Or you can have confidence in your ability. You know, we, we think we can do whatever. I know back long, long, long time ago when I played basketball, I had confidence in my shooting ability. I could shoot. I, I, was a, I wish I had some. See, I could, I could tell the way y'all looking at me. Y'all don't believe me. But I was I, he's like, man, you're too big to be able to shoot. I was actually a really good shooter. Well, I felt like I was one of the best shooters in the city when I came out. Confidence. You, you can establish confidence in a lot of different things. And one of the things that we see in the text today is Paul urging against confidence. Urging against having confidence in our ability. Urging against having confidence in anything else but Jesus Christ. So as we take a look in and dive in and tune into this episode of, of Philippians, we're going to see where what and what we should place our confidence in and what we should not place our confidence in. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for allowing us to come and learn more about you. We thank you that you have already have challenged us in Sunday school and challenged us to have joy in you, having joy in our salvation, and having joy in, not in our circumstances, but the things that you have done for us, having joy in who you are. But Lord, let us Take that joy and let's understand what we can have confidence in. That we should have confidence in you. Lord, we pray that you just have your way in this service. Let the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart, be holy 
and acceptable in your sight. By rock, by strength, and by our Redeemer. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Paul starts out chapter 3 with a very simple phrase. He says, further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. We're just going to stop right there. Rejoice in the Lord. He also echoes the same thing in chapter 3. And when we get to chapter 3, I mean, I'm sorry, chapter 4. And we'll talk about it some more in chapter 4. But Paul stops the uh, Philippians and says, you know, right now, you need to continue on rejoicing. No matter what. How do we end chapter 3? We saw that Ephroditus risked his life to be by Paul at Paul's side. He risked his life. And Paul is telling them to rejoice in the Lord. Continue on rejoicing. He says, it's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it's a safeguard to you. Now, what he's talking about writing the same things, he's not talking about rejoicing. He hadn't said that yet in the book. He's talking about a warning against what's about to come. But Paul starts it out with rejoicing. And, you know, sometimes and we talked about this in Sunday school. Sometimes we can get so so locked into our circumstances that we forget the, it, the thing that we need to be doing the most. Rejoicing. You know, when you rejoice, you, don't, you keep your eyes off of your circumstances and you put your eyes on the person that's providing for you. When we rejoice, we're not worried about what's happening to us. We're not worried about what can happen and come our way. When we rejoice, we're, we're just focusing on the one who has given us what we need. So when we rejoice, we want to keep our mind on Christ. And Paul is urging the Philippians to continue on rejoicing. Don't ever stop rejoicing through creation. God's going to do a lot of things for us. Don't ever, let us not ever stop rejoicing. Because God has been so good to us. And then Paul transitions and says, I want to, I want to, it's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it's a safeguard to you. It's safe for you that I urge you against these things, that he already urged them against or warned them against in chapter 1. Well, what are those things? Verse 2, it says, watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. Paul tells them to look out for three things, dogs, evildoers, and mutilators of the flesh. Well, I think those three things are actually characteristics of one group of people. And those, this group of people we'll call the Judaizers. Let me tell you about the Judaizers for a second. The Judaizers were people that were saying, oh, yeah, that's good to be saved and believe in Jesus Christ, but you still need to do all these things that the Jews do. You need to get circumcised. You need to follow these uh, commandments. You need to follow the law. You need to do all the things that God has put in the Old Testament and in the law. And follow it to a T. And they would put confidence or they would say you have to, you have to mutilate your flesh. Is what Paul said. What, in other words, they had to get circumcised. And Paul said these people, watch out for them. Watch out for these dogs. And it's interesting he used the term dogs. I know I, we're not talking about Duke, Tammy. We're talking about the, the dogs back then. We're talking about the dogs Back in, in, in the Bible days, they were untamed. They were wild and vicious. They would, they would go around in packs, and they would attack people. 
They would roam the streets. Now, we have dogs as pets, but back then, that's what, that wasn't the case. And so the Jews would call the Gentiles dogs. The Jews would say, oh, those are dogs over there. So Paul took that term and he flipped it. He says, the Jews are saying, watch out for those dogs. I'm going to tell you to watch out for those dogs. Those dogs are the people that are, telling, that, that are those Judaizers that are trying to make you like Jewish people. We're not dogs. You should be a dog. So watch out for those dogs. But he also says those evildoers. Those men who committed evil. That's what that literally means. Men who commit evil. And then he also says those mutilators of the flesh. Interesting enough, what Paul is talking about is circumcision. And he calls it a mutilation of the flesh. Not something that they needed to do, but a mutilation. They would hold these things in this, this, this idea of an outward sign as being more important than living for Christ. They wanted to, you, they had the Jews, they wanted the people to do like the Jews do and hold that in high regard. But see, the thing is, what the Judaizers failed to realize is that the Jews were messing it up anyway. Because they would get circumcised, but they wouldn't obey the law. So if you get circumcised, but you don't obey the law, what's the point? It's, it's the same thing as, as if I was to go out, and I'm going to use another sports analogy. And I was, I, I was playing for the Golden State Warriors. And the Golden State Warriors were playing against the Lakers, right? And I have my Golden State Warriors uniform on, so I, I look like I'm a Golden State Warrior, but I'm scoring on the Lakers basket. That's what this is talking about. It's saying... You know, it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what your outward sign is. If you look like a Jew, if you act like a Jew, it doesn't matter if you're not obeying the law. What you do is more important, and that's what Christ cares about. And so he's looking at circumcision of the heart. That's what Paul would later say in other epistles. He would talk about the circumcision of the heart. And if he would use that as an analogy, and we'll see here that we are the circumcision. We are the circumcision. So look, in verse 3, it says, For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. Where he, put, where he talked about and warned against three things, he turns around and says, here's three things that we should be characterized by. Three things that we should look like. It says, it says, for we are the circumcision. Who is we? Those who believe in Jesus Christ. We are the circumcision. We are God's outward sign of an inward decision. We are the circumcision. And that's what circumcision was. And it doesn't stop there. He says, we who serve God by his spirit. The other characteristic is that they serve God by his spirit. And then the third thing, it says, who boast in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Now, this flesh is different than the flesh before. This is talking about where Paul would talk about our bodies have two natures, a flesh and a spirit. And so we don't put any confidence in the old man. We put confidence in Christ. So are we characterized by those things, the creation? 
Do we serve God by his spirit? Do we boast in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh? In our abilities to be able to do things? In our ability to get things done? You know, I know preaching has humbled me a lot. And, and I can echo this same thing. For, I, I can guarantee these other elders will say the same thing. Because the more you dig into this word, the more you realize you don't know. The wealth of knowledge in the Bible is endless. You can read the same scripture every day and get something else out of it. The Bible is living. It's a living word. And I know so many guys that put confidence in their ability to hoop and holler, tell a story, put, a, put their confidence in all these other things except what we should be boasting about and boasting about Christ Jesus. You know, we can put our confidence in, in the flesh if we want. And we can see how that will end us up. It will bring us to a situation where we'll have to be reminded to rejoice in the Lord. Because we're going to end up in a dark place. We're going to end up in a place we don't need to be. Because we're relying on our own ability and not putting confidence in Jesus Christ. But Paul doesn't stop there. He says, hey, if you had any questions about confidence in faith, here, let me show you something. Let me tell you something. Though I myself have reasons to have such confidence. He says, if anybody can have confidence, I, should, I, can, I can boast about confidence. Look what he says. He says, if someone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. I almost think Paul is like, here, y'all think y'all bad? Listen, let me tell you what I used to do. Let me tell you who I am. And, and, and Paul is, is, is it's almost like he's not boasting. He's just, he's just stating facts. And look, let's look at what he says. He says, verse 5, he says, I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. What he's saying is, listen, I'm a Jew of Jews. I, I, you can't be more Jewish than me. The, law, uh, the law's pattern was that every Jewish boy would be circumcised on the eighth day. And Paul was saying, that's what I happened to me. I was circumcised on the eighth day. And here, let me tell you else about me. I could trace my lineage back to the Israel people. And not just the Israel people. I could trace my lineage back to the tribe of Benjamin. He's bragging on his tribe. He said, my tribe, my tribe is the one that the first king of Israel came out of. My tribe, the tribe of Benjamin. I'm the one that was in a part of this tribe. And he says, a Hebrew of Hebrews. So what he's saying is, he's a purebred. He doesn't have Gentile parents. He has Hebrew parents. He didn't convert over to uh, Jewish to becoming a Jew. He was always a Jew. He had Jewish parents. He had a pure bloodline. And Paul is saying, hey, listen, if, if anybody can put confidence in, in their flesh, it's me. Because I'm a Jew of Jews. And you can't be more Jew than me, is what Paul is saying. But he doesn't stop there. Because that, that's what he was born into. But look what he, look, this is what he did. He says, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. He said, I was a Pharisee. I was, I was of the re most religious sect there is. 
I was, I was zealous. I, I was persecuting the church but when the first church first started out. I was responsible for killing all kind of prophets. I was zealous. He was, he was an overachiever. Paul says, I can have confidence because I did these things. He says, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. I, I commend Paul for his boldness. Because Paul is saying, listen, the law, I kept the law. Religiously, I, I did everything I needed to do or could do to keep the law. But look what, look what Paul gets to. He, verse 7, he says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. He says, all the things I've done. And all the things that I did while I was a Jew. Because he never stopped being a Jew. He's always a Jew. He says, all the things that I did to persecute the church. All those gains. I consider loss. I consider loss for Christ. Verse 8, it says, what is more? I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth. Of knowing Jesus by Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things. Listen, Paul said, I'm a Christian now. I believe in Jesus Christ now. And all that stuff that I gained and all that confidence I have. He said, the first part he says I consider it loss was the stuff that dealt with being a Jew. Now he said, I consider everything loss. I consider it all loss. Because of the surpassing knowledge of being with Jesus. Of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Now I want you to pay attention because we can really quickly read through some things. But look what he says. He doesn't say Christ Jesus, the Lord. He could have said that. He says Christ Jesus, my Lord. Paul had went from Jesus Christ being just his savior to be his Lord. There's a difference. We just think, sometimes think Jesus Christ or Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior, as just a title. Lord, when Christ is Lord, that means he rules over everything in our life. We kind of talked about that a little bit in Sunday school, where you cast your cares on him. What does that look like? What does that look like when we cast our cares on the Lord of our life? The one that we're trying to please. He's Lord over everything. He, that, which means he controls everything. He controls all of what we do. And when we cast our cares on him and when we place our confidence in him, it's because he's our Lord. And we know he's going to control and take care of us. And he's going to take care of what we need and he's going to take care of all our, our problems. He's going to take care of all those things. Doesn't mean we won't have problems. Don't mean that we won't have hard times. But because Jesus Christ is our Lord, that means he's already over, in control of all of it. And we can trust him. Paul says, I consider all of this loss because I believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord. Verse and he says, I consider them garbage that I may gain 
Christ. I consider them garbage or rubbish and subversions. So this word garbage or rubbish, I love this word. Because what it really means is scraps or dung. It, it, it means, <laughs> you, you got as many kids as I have, yeah, first word you think of is poop. It's poop. It, 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 it's excrement. excrement. It, it's, it's feces. That's what Paul considered all his gains. All his confidence was excrement, was poop. It was, it, that's how worthless it was. He says he considered it rubbish that he may gain Christ. Are we willing to sacrifice everything we have to gain Christ? We know Paul is saved, but he says, I want to gain Christ. Are we willing to give it all to him? I love the song, I Surrender All, and I'm scared of that song at the same time. You know, we sing it, but do we really mean it? Because when you surrender all, you mean you give it all over to him. All, everything. All your worries, all your cares, everything that bothers you, you give it all to him. Your finances, your, your jobs, your kids, everything, you surrender all to him. And he will lead us and guide us and take care of us. He will be Lord over all. Do we surrender all that we may gain Christ? Well, look what it says in verse 9. And be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Paul said, I want to be righteous. I want to gain this righteousness, but not the righteousness that the law talks about. Because actuality, you can't gain that righteousness. That righteousness isn't even available to be gained because once you break a law, you're a lawbreaker. And you're always a lawbreaker. But he says, I want to gain the righteousness that is based on faith. Faith in Christ Jesus. Verse 18, so verse 10, it says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his suffering. I want to know him. I want to know him. Paul says, I want to know Christ. So this is getting past us just becoming saved, new creation. This is, this is beyond that. Because salvation is just your step in. It's just your, your joining the family. It's just your beginning of your relationship with Christ. But do we have a desire to know him? To know him. And we, we talked about this in Sunday school. And we talk, I've, I've shared this plenty of times. When I got married to my wife, that was just the beginning of the journey. But as we grow and we learn each other, I wanted to know her more. And I still don't know her all the way. And I won't ever know everything about my wife. But as we grow, we grow closer together. Right? Same way with Christ. When we become saved, that's just the beginning step. That's just the beginning. That's why we get into Bible studies and Sunday school. That's why we come to church, so we can learn more about him, so we can know him better. This word know talks about to know him experientially. 
by experience. Now, I don't know about you, but the best time to learn God is when he does something for you. We learn, we learn a lot about God when we don't have no more money in the bank account. We don't have any more food in the pantry. We learn a lot about God when we depend on him solely. And Paul says, I want to know him through my experience. I want to know everything about God. But he says, to know the power of his resurrection. The power of his resurrection. The power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is the same power that's in us. The power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead and gave life to our mortal bodies is the same power that rests in us. So when we start to go through those situations and we start to face depression and, and, and we, we start to get into our mindsets of bad things and bad thoughts, just know that God, the power of Christ, is in us. And we, Paul says, I want to know this power. I want to experience this power. And we want, the only way to experience this is to actually act out on it. In other words, we have to test our faith and rely on him to bless us and be there for us. He says, I want to know the power of his resurrection, but I also want to know the participation in his sufferings. New creation, we're going to suffer. We're going to suffer. We're going to have hard times. It's going to come. But when we have those hard times, when we place our faith in him to provide for us the things that we need. Paul says, I want to know him. And how many of us want to know and participate in his sufferings? That's the next, that's the next level of knowing. <laughs> that's the next level. I, I don't know about many people, but I don't want to participate in somebody else's suffering. I'll sit back and watch and say, man, I'm sorry for you. Oh, man, I hope that gets better for you. But I, I pray for you. We do that a lot, right? We say that, that phrase a lot. I pray for you. But very seldom do we want to experience and participate in something that's bad. There's something to this. There's something that Paul had figured out. He says, in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. New Paul went deep. This, this, wasn't, this wasn't surface level. Paul went deep here. Because what he's saying is, Listen, I don't put confidence in this old flesh of mine, this old man of mine. And every time that we, we, when we commit sins and we succumb to our old nature or our human nature, it's like we're resurrecting that old man back up. And we're saying, oh, you know, I know you're dead, but come on back to life because I want to go get drunk on Saturday night. Come on back to life because I want to I wanna get high and I want to do this. I want to sleep around. I want to do all these bad things. Come on back to life. And that's what we're saying. When we, we resurrect this old body back up. And Paul is saying, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. I want to know him in the participation in his suffering, but I also want to know him and become like him in his death. Meaning the death to this old man. 
The death that Jesus experienced is the same death that that old man has went through. Death. We put this old man to death. We need to leave him dead sometimes. We need to leave him dead. The problem is, every time we succumb to our own greed and our own desires, we resurrect this old man back up. And that old man come back and, hey, let's party. And, and then we, we've got to go back through it and we, we've got to crucify him afresh. And then we, we've got to put our faith back in Jesus Christ. And we've got to start to succumb to his leading and his guiding. And he has to be Lord of our life. And then we go through this cycle again. And then hard times come. And suffering comes and all these bad things. And we say, I don't want to deal with this no more. Come on back to life, old man. Because I'm going to go back to the, and I'm going to drink my sorrows away. Or I'm going to have this and I'm going to do this and do what I want to do. I don't want to live for Christ anymore. That's what Paul is saying. And so when we get to verse 12, it says, not that I've already all of this or have already arrived at my goal but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me Paul said I, I hadn't got there I haven't arrived I'm just a sinful man just like everybody else I'm striving to do right I'm trying to be better and I'm trying to do the right thing but I ha and I haven't obtained this or have already arrived at my goal. But I press on to take hold of that which God took a hold of me. Verse 13 says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me. And straighted toward what is ahead. Some of us have had awful lives. And we just, some of us need to forget about it. Some of us have had bad times in our past. And we just need to forget about it. I know that sounds easier said than done. But that's what Paul is saying here. He says, Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. You know, when you cut the grass, if you look back, it's impossible to cut straight. If you look back at what you've already cut, it's impossible to cut straight. I know. I can't cut a straight line in my yard. My, my yard is, if a lot of you know I, I, that we're at my house, I'm, I'm on a cul-de-sac. So there's nothing straight about my yard. It's, it's, it's a weird shape. And so it's like, where do you start from? Okay, I'm going to go off of this fence. And you start going down the line, and, and you try to stay, and you, look at, and you look down. Even if you look down, you can get off. You got to keep focusing on what's ahead. And that's what Paul is saying. Our past are just that. Our past. Our history is just that. Our history. 
if we allow our history to define our future, we're, we're in for a world of hurt. You might have grew up with no father in your house. Your mom might have abandoned you. But that's just that, the past. We've got to forget those things. We've got to forget those things. We've got to commit those things to Jesus. Cast our cares on him. Forget about what's behind us. And press towards what's ahead. Verse 14. It says, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul uses the analogy of, of a competition. And he says, I press on towards the goal to win the prize. It's not one thing to just press toward the going forward. He wants us to go forward in a way that we're doing everything we can to win. To win the prize. You know, there's one thing to play the game, and there's another thing to try to win. Now, Akiva can tell you all about trying to win. Akiva is probably one of the most competitive people in this house, in this church. And Akiva will do almost anything to win. And when you do everything, it's like lining up for a race. And you know everybody's faster than you. So what you decide to do is not even run. You decide that you're not going to run fast. I'm going to lose anyway. If we take that attitude towards our Christian life, then we are already defeated to begin with. Paul says, I press on towards the prize of the high calling of Christ Jesus for what he has called me towards heavenward. He said, I'm going to act and do everything I can to win this prize. If I got faster people in front of me, that's all right. I'm going to run as hard as I can because I want to win. And you never know what's going to happen. I'm going to run as hard as I can. New creation, are we running as hard as we can? Or are we existing? Are we doing everything we can to avoid sin? Are we avoiding temptation as, as hard as we can? Are we doing all that we can to avoid those things that might trip us up or put us in a place where our minds are off? Are we doing everything we can to live for Christ? When we do everything we can, we're working and we're running like we want to win this prize. Let me land this plane. I don't know about you. But the only way to press towards the goal and press towards the mark is we got to know Jesus Christ. We can put confidence in a lot of things. Paul said, I, had, I, could, I got a lot of confidence. I'm a Jew of Jews. I was a Pharisee. I persecuted the church. I did all these great things in that time. But if Paul was to allow those things that he did in the past, to keep, continue to affect his future, he wouldn't have been an apostle to all these churches. How can you persecute the people that you go and help now? 
So when he says, I forget what I, what's it behind me, I can see Paul saying, I know I persecuted the church. I know I'm responsible for Stephen Stoney. I know I did all these bad things, but you know what? I can't change that, but I can change the future. I can do everything I need to do for you Philippians, for you Thessalonians, for you Colossians. I can do everything I can for all of Asia, for the Romans. I can do whatever I can, and I'm going to work as hard as I can. For your faith. That's what Paul did. We need to take a page out of Paul's book. And we need to forget what's behind us. Forget the things that's happened in our past. And do everything we can to please him. But the only way we can do that is you got to know Jesus Christ. You got to know him. And the only way to know him is you got to believe five things. As the praise team comes, as these brothers come and stand in front of us, the five things are simple. They don't sound like they're that complicated, but you have to believe them with all the faith that you have. The five things are that Jesus Christ is God. He's the Son of God. He died on the cross for our sins. He was buried and he rose again. If you believe those five things, we believe you are saved. Now you might be saved and you're looking for a church home. There's no better place than new creation. Where we stand on the word of God. We teach the word of God. We believe in the word of God. And we will continue to rest and hope. And gain our uh, instruction for living from the word of God. Come join us. Come join. Be a part. So you can get to work just like everybody else. Because there's a work for all of us to do here at New Creation. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for allowing us to come and learn more about you. Lord, let us not look to flesh. Let us not look to our bank accounts. Let us not look to our jobs for confidence. But Lord, let us place our confidence in you. That our hope and our faith will be in you. That we will rest and rely on you. 
that you will lead us and guide us, that you will be there for us. And Lord, we pray that you just give us the strength and the courage to press on towards the goal, the prize that you will have for us. Let us run this race so that you are pleased, that you will get all the honor and all the glory and all the praise. Lord, we pray that you just have your way in each of our lives. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And let the church stand, join hands, and sing amen.